looking in 1 John and looking today in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 16 to 18. And would you please stand as we read from God's Word. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that by your word and your spirit, we can know what love is. Help us, Lord, to know a little better now what love is. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A man named Francois Rocha, however his long French name says, uh, he, he, said, he said, true love is like ghosts, which everyone talks about and few have seen. <laughs> true love, like ghosts. Everyone talks about it. Everyone does talk about it, especially this last week with Valentine's Day, much talk about love. Most songs, most popular songs, most country western songs, vast number of them, overwhelming number are about love. Love stories are popular and novels and movies and TV. A lot of talking about love. But I think he's correct when he says everyone talks about and few have seen. Because what is talked about, what is described, what is portrayed is often not really true love. But we rejoice today that true love isn't a ghost that all you can do is talk about. True love isn't something that you can just imagine, you can just wish for, you can just long for, but you have no idea if you could ever experience or see it. No, true love can be seen. True love can be known. True love can be experienced because of Jesus. Jesus demonstrated what love is. You want to see love, you want to know love, then look to Jesus, look to the cross. We get to know the true meaning of love. He says, this is how we know what love is. He's saying we can know what love is. He says, you can know by this, by Jesus giving his life, you can know what love is. It's not something you just have to wish and imagine and dream about. No, Jesus graciously has made known what is true love. He's made known what love looks like. He makes known what love does. He has come to make it known. It's no longer just some mysterious ghost. It's not just some vague concept. There's a popular song as some years ago. I want to know what love is. It's a... A cry of the human heart. I want to know what love is. And we are made, God has created us in such a way that the songwriter, he got it right in that line. He maybe didn't get it right the rest of it, but on that line, he got it right. I want to know what love is. 
We all want to know what love is. And we rejoice that we can find it. You can't find it out in the world. You can't find it in just all the other things that are pretending to tell you what true love is. But you can find it in Christ. What we long to know, what we want to know, we can know. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 17 to 19, Paul is praying for the people and he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants them to know a lot of things, but most of all, he wants them to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants them to know the love of Christ. And he knows that they can know. If they come to faith in Christ, they can know the love that surpasses knowledge. Anyway, I think at times teaching confirmation to youth group over the years, and you come to the end of, of two years of instruction. In our church, we have two years instruction in basics of the faith. You come to the end of the two years, and you're thinking about all the stuff you wish these young people knew. But then I keep coming back to, but most of all, I want them to know the love of Christ. I want them to know that Jesus loves them. I want them to know how much they're loved, and I want them to know that. And if they know that and they forget some of this other stuff, that's okay. But most of all, like Paul with the Ephesians, he wanted them to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The world is imagining it, and the world is trying to portray love, but imagine a person who all the art they've ever seen is a stick figure. Imagine that that's all the drawing they ever saw. And they think, well, boy, that's really nice art. Guy got a, got a smile going even on him. <laughs> and they think, boy, that's good art. Well, in a way, that's kind of the world with love. They're, they're trying to draw love. They're trying to show it. And, and they're just kind of doing stick figures. But imagine a person who's only seen a stick figure, and then they get to go to a museum. And they get to see a masterpiece. And they go, oh, wow, that's a whole different kind of art. Well, in a way, that's us looking at the love of Christ in the love of the world. In comparison, in a way, the, the world's love is kind of like stick figure stuff. But then you look at the love of Christ. You look at how Jesus loves us and you say, that's the masterpiece. That's a master artist. That's a beauty unlike any other love. We get to know that love, that beautiful love. Love is Jesus giving his life for us. He says, this is a definition, this is the greatest demonstration of love. Jesus laid down his life for us. He, he laid it down. It wasn't taken from him. The Romans didn't take his life from him. The, the Jewish leaders didn't take his life from him. In John chapter 10 and verse 17, Jesus says, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He chose to go to the cross. He chose to, to let them arrest him and take him and, and nail, the, nail him to that cross. He chose it. That's love. If he went to the cross because he was forced to, that wouldn't be a great demonstration of love. But him going to the cross of his own accord, that's love. Love is Jesus giving his very life. He laid down his life. He didn't just give some time. He didn't just give some possessions. 
We, we think that's nice when people lay that down. But Jesus laid down his life and he laid it down, as it says here, he laid it down for us. He didn't lay it down for people who had earned it, who were deserving and worthy. He laid it down for undeserving sinners like us. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about how someone might possibly die for a righteous person. But in verse 8, he says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were undeserving sinners, he died for us. He laid down his life for ones who were in great need. He laid down his life for you and for me. In John chapter 15, in verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And then he goes on to tell his disciples and us, he says, and, and you're my friends. There's no greater love than somebody laying down their life for somebody else. Eric Talley was a police officer with Boulder, Colorado Police. Came upon a, a shooting in progress in a store a couple of years ago. Well, everybody else running out of the store, Eric ran in, knowing what he was facing. But he ran in, he stopped the shooter, he lost his life, but nobody else was killed after that. He stopped the shooter. He stopped the shooter by laying down his life. Sadly, there's been far too many police officers who've done that kind of work. And we give thanks for those who are willing to lay down their lives for others. And then we recognize Jesus even more so. He's done that for us. Instead of running away, he ran in. And he laid down his life so that the in a way, the, the bullets of evil and sin would not be coming at us anymore. He stopped the shooting of judgment coming our way, and he took it on himself. He laid down his life for you. That is the greatest demonstration of love, and his love is the role model of what love is. And his love is the role model of how we're to love. Jesus' love shows us how we're to love. The world has its own ideas. But the Bible is telling us not just to follow what the world says is expected, but instead the, the Bible says this is how you love. Love like Jesus did. And his love in us should fill us with compassion. His love starts out with compassion, and, and he describes compassion here in these verses in 1 John. He says, if anyone sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? He's saying if the love of God is in you and has gotten a hold of you, then you have pity on people in need. Then the, the needs and the hurts around us, they, they should move us. Because the needs and the hurts of people, they move Jesus. They stir him. And we see throughout the scripture that God is a compassionate God. In Exodus chapter 34, it's this passage where Moses is basically asking to see God, to know God better. And then God says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll come by. I'll give you a glimpse. 
And God starts out this description of himself to Moses, and he starts it out by saying, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. If you want to get to know what God is like, it starts there. It starts with compassionate. If you don't know God is compassionate, then in a way he's saying you don't really know God. If you don't know that he has a heart that is overflowing with compassion, you don't know him. And we see that reflected so clearly in Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus overflowing with compassion. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it tells us when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It doesn't say when he saw the crowds, he thought, oh, not more people coming with more things they want. It doesn't say when he saw the crowds, he thought, oh, I'm tired of these folks. I've had enough of them. They keep asking, they keep wanting more and more. No, he didn't respond that way. It says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Sadly, it can be easy for us to see the crowds and just not even see people or just see problems and hassles. We can see crowds like in Turkey and Syria where there's the crowds of all these people who have suffered in the earthquake. When we see the crowds, may we have compassion. May we not just see people who are on the other side of the earth, very different from us. May we also see people that Jesus loves. May we see people who are hurting and struggling. May we see people that have compassion. When we see people suffering in Ukraine, like this mother who has lost a, a son in the war, may it move us. Even though we see images like this so very often, far too often on the news, we can see images like this. And, and sadly, we can see so many images that it can get to where we don't get moved. May God continue to move us. Because that's the heart of Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 7, it tells about Jesus coming into a town. And as they come into the town, they see that there's this funeral procession going on. And it's a son of a widow, and it's her only son who died. And then it says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. He said, don't cry because he it was insensitive. No, he said, don't cry because he was about to raise her son back from the dead. What led him to raise her son was his heart went out to her. His heart was touched because he saw her hurt and her pain. It's tempting for us to think, boy, there's so many hurts, I don't want them to come and invade me. I, don't, I, I can't handle getting touched by all these hurts. You know, may we take, in a way, take the risk. Take the risk of having a tender heart. Take the risk of having a heart that gets touched. As we mentioned in prayer time, another shooting. Michigan State University, this time, students killed in a, a shooting. There are so many of these tragic shootings that it can become something where we just hear the news and we don't get stirred, we don't get moved, we don't get touched. Pray that the Lord would keep our hearts tender, that we'd still be bothered 
by each shooting and we'd say that's and we'd see that there's there's a family that is mourning over each of these young people who were killed there's a family struggling if we have the love of christ we're filled with compassion for those who hurt and when we have the love of christ we love by laying down our lives he says jesus laid down his life and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers now, laying down our lives, it usually doesn't mean, it very rarely means physically doing like the police officer we mentioned, but it doesn't just mean that. No, laying down our lives it means daily living, is laying down our needs, laying down our wants, laying down our will, and saying it's not just about me, it's not just about what I want, I'm, I'm going to lay down my wants in order to serve. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In a way, he's saying, lay down your interests. And say, it's not just about my interests. It's about what's in the best interests of others. Laying down our lives in Romans chapter 12, 10, he says, To be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Laying down our lives means we're not just trying to exalt ourselves. It means we lay down our lives to lift somebody else up, to honor somebody else. In Acts chapter 4, it talks about the early church. And it says in verse 32 that no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. They laid down their, their possessions. They, they said it's not just about what I have and want and that I'm keeping it all for myself, but they, they laid down and said, hey, he might need something. I'm going to lay down some of what I have in order to serve somebody else. Well, the missionaries that we support, uh, Todd and Barb Shirkoke, they're missionaries in Jerez, Mexico, and we've talked before about how Jerez has been victimized uh, that old city has been living with a drug cartel and issues going on and violence that's been happening in that city and, and I serve on the world mission board and we've talked with Don Barb and we said you know should you maybe be coming home <laughs> it's maybe not safe there do you want to be coming home and and so appreciate their heart they love the people and the congregation that they serve there and they said well we really want to stay. In a way, it's maybe strange conversations that we've had because we're saying, well, why don't you come home? And they're saying, no, yeah, we know there's violence, there's all this stuff going on, but we want to stay. And they're asking us to stay. And we're kind of talking to them about coming home. We appreciate it. In a way, they're laying down their lives. They're, they're staying not because it's more comfortable, not because it's easier. Certainly, it isn't that. They're not staying because that's all they could do. No, in a way, they're laying down their own comfort. They're laying down what might seem to be in their best interest because they want to serve the people there. We each are called in different ways to lay down our lives for others. How are you being called to lay down your life for somebody? We love by caring about people's needs. He says, if you have material possessions and you see somebody in need and you don't do anything about it, 
How can the love of God? He's showing here that love is, is practical. The love he's calling for is a love that cares about practical needs. He, he, love is, is looking at others and thinking about, well, what do they need? What could I do to help them out? We see that in the early church in Acts chapter 2 and verse 45. It says, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. It, it doesn't say they just met everybody's wishes. It doesn't say they did whatever anybody wanted. Because sometimes what people want isn't really what they need. And our calling, as they say, our calling isn't to supply greeds, it's to supply needs. And so that means discerning what does somebody really need? And then discerning and asking, is there something I can do to help them with what they need? In John chapter 13, it tells about Jesus right before he went to the cross. He washed his disciples' feet. And they said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Washing their feet was a real need. <laughs> their feet were dirty and hurting. And they needed their feet to be cared for. And Jesus is saying that's the kind of love he's calling us to. It doesn't require great skill to wash somebody's feet. But it requires humility. It requires being willing to serve. It, it involves saying, boy, what's the need that, that my neighbor has? And what's a way that God can use me to help him? In Matthew 25, Jesus says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Then he continues to say, I was a stranger. You welcomed me in. He talks about being in, in jail or being in the hospital and you visited, needing clothes and you clothed me. He's talking about real practical needs that people have and then people who have the love of God trying to meet those needs. We are called to look around us and to see what are some needs that relatives, friends, people who come in our lives, what are some needs that they have? And is there any way I can be used by God to, to meet them? Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment. He says to love the Lord and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then somebody asked, well, what, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus answered the question by telling the story we call the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he tells in that about a priest and a Levite who see a guy hurting on the side of the road and they just walk on by. But the Samaritan comes and he sees this guy in need. And then he does very practical work to care for the needs. It says, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. And then it says, he took him to an inn and took care of him. <clears throat> the love that God calls us to isn't necessarily a love that's always going to be glamorous. It might not be a love that's doing something big, showy. <laughs> but often it's just a love where you, you bandage wounds. You care for hurts. You help somebody out. When my mom died, we went back to her home, Astoria, Oregon, for service. And, and then at the end of the service, somebody who had been a lifelong friend of her family and worked in fish canneries for many years and known me all, all my life. He came to me at the end after we were at the reception. He comes to me and, and he said, 
there's a bag in the fridge. Be sure you get it before you go home. Because <laughs> I was living in Eugene at the time, heading back home. He said, there's a bag in the fridge. Be sure you get it before you go home. And he was, he was starting to cry, which was kind of, especially for an old Norwegian guy, that wasn't something real easy to do. But I, I could tell just by how he was kind of getting close to emotional and, and he was touched, he cared. And then the bag was a bag of a bunch of cans of tuna and salmon and, and seafood. <laughs> now, for a lot of people, they might not see that as necessarily a big sign of love. <laughs> but for me, that really, it really moved me. <laughs> I mean, Chris knew about my need. <laughs> I, I had a need of food. <laughs> I had a need and an appreciation for seafood. He knew I had a need and he did what he could to do something very practical to serve and to help. That's love. Love can be just giving somebody cans of tuna fish. <laughs> love can be just something basic, just caring for basic needs that people have. We're called to love, and we are enabled to love. Jesus' love enables us to love. On our own, there's no way we're loving like Jesus and we can read these verses and they can intimidate and scare us and we can think how in the world am I supposed to ever do this kind of thing well you can't on your own but you don't have to do it on your own Jesus love enables us to take action he says don't love with words or tongue but with actions the love he's calling us to isn't just talk. It's not just saying some nice words. But as we said, it's love that does what's needed. And Jesus' love, it, it equips us, it empowers us to do more than just say some nice words. Jesus' love gives us a power to do things that are going to really make a difference. The world, as we said, the world talks a lot about love. But Jesus, his love enables us to do more than just talk. We can actually do something because of how Jesus loves us. In James chapter 2 and verse 16, he says, If one of you says to somebody who comes in needy, and if you just say, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? The love that God's calling us to it's not just love where we say nice things to somebody, but where we actually do something. God gives us a power so we can actually do something. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, he says, May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. What is pleasing to him, what is his will, is to love your neighbor. And he can equip you with everything good for doing that. The Lord can equip you for loving that person, even that person that might be a little hard to love. That person that you're thinking, I can't love them on my own. I, I don't really even like them a whole lot. God can equip you for loving that person. Gokan Tallis is a pastor, a writer in Turkey. He's the editor of the One Christian magazine in Turkey. I think all the many Christian magazines we have. In Turkey, they just have one. And Gorkantalis is the guy. The earthquake happened, and he wanted to do more than just words. 
And he said that when the earthquake happened, when he heard about it, he lives a long ways away from the epicenter of the earthquake. But when he heard about it, his first instinct was to go. That's the love of Christ. The love of Christ calls you to have an instinct, not just to go the other direction, but to go to where there's hurts and needs. And so he gathered up a bunch of stuff and medical supplies and blankets and food and whatever he could fit in his car. And then it took 14 hours to get to where the victims of the earthquake were. Twice as long a journey as it usually took. But he went and he showed the love of Christ. God can equip us to do those kind of things. He, he's not some extraordinary superpower guy. He's just an ordinary guy who loves the Lord and that love of Christ equipped him and empowered him. And he went and did something very practical serving. Jesus' love enables us to do that. Jesus' love enables us to truly love. He says, let us love in truth. True love, not just a show, not just putting on a performance, not just acting, but Jesus, his love for us, it's real. And he invites us, he calls us to show a love that is real, a love that's sincere, the love that's from the heart. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. God's truth can work in us so that we have sincere love. The world does a bunch of pretending. I've been to, to concerts and big events where the, the one on stage will yell out towards the end, we love you. And I think, you don't know my name. <laughs> You have no idea who I am. What do you mean you love me? I thought, you're thankful I came to the performance and bought the ticket, but I don't really, I'm not really touched that you love me deeply. God enables us to do more than just that. He enables us to have real love, sincere love. Sincere love for one another and love for our neighbor. He can give us that kind of love. Another popular song said, ain't nothing like the real thing. But they're right in that part. Yes, there's nothing like the real thing. The real thing is the love of Christ. The real thing is the love that Jesus has for us and that Jesus then can enable us to share with the world. There's nothing like the real thing. And we get to know the real thing. And we get to show to the world the real thing, real love. Let's pray. Lord, there is nothing like the real thing. There's nothing like your love. And Lord, thank you that you can, you equip us with that love. You can empower us. And you can enable us to show that love to the world that so needs to so needs to see it, so needs to know it, so needs to experience it. In Jesus' name, amen.